What's up, everybody? I'm Matt Hausfetter. Welcome back to another episode of Write Who You Know. This is the screenwriting podcast where we talk about the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes. On today's episode, we have a very special guest. I know I always say that, but I really love this writer, Ariel Laddinson. She was a writer on Fairfax. She has written on Solar Opposites. She is a writer on the upcoming amazing reboot on Fox's Futurama. She has written and converted amazing children's IP like Llama Llama Red Pajama into TV shows for Netflix. And she has a vivacious spirit and an incredible attitude. And from the second that we read her animated sample Couch Potato, we knew that we had to hire her on Fairfax. And I'm so glad she did because she brought amazing energy to the room, even though we were on Zoom uh, during a pandemic and civil unrest and all this other crazy stuff that was going on in the world, like Trump, uh, fuck that guy. Um, but yeah, we have her on the podcast today, and I'm so excited to talk with her. Uh, a little feedback I've been getting on this podcast is that people want to know what's going on with me. What am I doing? What's up with my journey? What am I working on? And the answer is everything. And so much of this business is smoke and mirrors, and I feel like you have to present yourself as outward-facing and crushing it and just, like, doing everything you can. Um, but the truth is, yeah, I'm incredibly busy, and I'm really excited. Uh, had you talked to me a few weeks ago, I don't know how excited I would have sounded, um, but recently I found out uh, I'm going to be starting work uh, doing some animation feature work April 24th, which is really exciting, and I'll talk about it more when I know I'm legally allowed to and not bound by an NDA. I'm pitching a TV show in 45 minutes. Uh, I'm producing a TV show that we're pitching at 1 o'clock today that's very exciting. I'm doing that with my Fairfax partners and producers. And tonight, uh, I'm speaking to a class full of students at USC on the art of the pitch uh, and sort of telling them like my tools and experience for pitching shows. And I'm also hearing their final projects. They pitch me shows uh, in five minutes, and I give them constructive criticism and feedback. Uh, as I pretend to be a studio executive. Um, but I also, you know, I got some other good news today. I've been working on this reboot of this beloved IP that is a movie that I grew up on, and I'm trying to convert it into a new series. And I found out the creator of that movie, uh, writer-director, really likes it. So I'm jumping up and down for joy. Uh, and I'm just, I'm in a good mood. I don't know. I've had my coffee. I feel great. And uh, I think you guys are really going to like this podcast with Ariel because she is such a talent, so smart, so sunny, so bright. So if you're looking for a writer, look no further. Uh, check out my episode, Coming Right Up, with Ariel Laddinson. This is Write Who You Know. Pass. Nope. We love Matt. It's just a really hard time right now. The industry's contracting. Come back to us when you have some bigger attachments. Tell them right what you know. No, tell them right who you know. Okay, hi. Where were we? we you were saying some prolific things about me and to me, and I just, I, it was so good. Oh. I felt like we had to capture it. <laughs> okay. Well, just basically, we were talking about Fairfax. Yes. And do you want to recap what you were kind of saying just about the journey? Sure. I was all? just saying yeah. that, um, uh, it's hard not to look at Fairfax as a failure because it didn't become South Park or Big Mouth. Having said that, it did have a two-season order, and like I got to work on it with my best friends for five years and meet amazing people and like have a show that will exist forever. Yeah, and I said I don't feel bad for you. No, I don't. Yeah. I, that's the thing. I don't want you. To, <laughs> I don't think you should. Or no, do not feel bad, but just that it's like I think it's really tempting to be like, oh, if this thing isn't 
South Park, it's not a giant mega hit. It didn't make $100 million. It doesn't last for 20 seasons. It's a failure. And I just think like getting something on the air, getting something made and like celebrating your wins is so important. And there's a writer, Jeremy Gerlich. He wrote and directed Murder Mystery 2. Do you know him? Uh-huh. I know his name. Okay. I don't know him personally. He's fantastic. Like absolutely love the guy. Tell and he was very much like, I remember his advice was um, like, okay, I don't know football. So this, these rules might not apply. And he's a big sports guy, but he was like, celebrate each down he was like very rarely do you get like a touchdown so he's like celebrate each time i think you just have to like move the ball forward 10 yards yeah. whatever that thing is when you get a first down again no i listen i totally and agree just those moments you got to celebrate you got to celebrate your small triumphs and i did celebrate and that was a big them. triumph i celebrate yeah no i yeah. and i celebrated it hard yeah. you know like it was wonderful yeah uh, but it's tough it's tough when something you love working with people you love goes away. it wasn't even that the show was canceled it was that it felt like Amazon had like no interest being in business with Teddy and Aaron and I because we pitched them so much cool shit. Right. And Prime Video exists as a sunk cost. Like it's not making Amazon any money. It literally exists because they want you to buy toilet paper after you watch Miss Maisel. And they'll tell you that. Yeah. Which I, I don't know. I guess like I'm, o- I'm okay with. There's so many other companies too. Like I understand it's tough when you're pitching somewhere and they're like, you're like, I have a deal. But also I did hear this is on another podcast, but it's this woman, Lindsay. I'm blanking on her last name, but she was a producer on like um, Sense and Sensibility and also like the Lego movie. Anyway, that all of these cool things. It's one of my favorite things ever is a Lego movie. Yeah, it's so good, right? And she was on Script Notes podcast. Mm, and she said, My competitor. From, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she said uh, basically that a studio buying projects from someone they have a deal with is like kissing your sister. Is the way she described okay, it. Okay. I'm not saying that's a good way to look at it, but I just was like, oh, that's illuminating in the sense they already have you locked down and everyone. Yeah, they're already paying me. Yeah, the most basic human impulse is to want what you don't have. Bo- so I don't think it's like a negative sign. I was like, oh, maybe that's just like can happen sometimes. Totally. I was just like, look, if I, w- <laughs> to put on my studio guy hat, if yeah. I'm them. Right. We did such a good job. We delivered you guys this wonderful show. Yes, 100%. Under budget and on time with an incredible cast. Right. Sorry it didn't become South Park. Yeah. Don't you want to take another chance on us with like any of the six or seven things we're pitching you with fucking huge global talent that you're already in bed with? I just think you're reading too much into it. It's like they have their own random strategies. It's like, so what if Amazon isn't biting? There's like so many other streamers. Uh, of course, but I was like, oh, I, I took it as like, okay, you're not going to buy this because you don't want to extend our deal. Yeah, you're reading into it I, in a way that is unnecessary. This is what I do all the time. <laughs> this, is, this is literally, it's me tripping out in this little room is like what I do every day. I Listen, I get it. It's, it's hard not to read into these moments, yeah. but I think like it's not personal. I know. And I, I think that, but that is, by the way, the most challenging thing. So especially because everyone I know is like working, but for me for a long time. And I'm like, I don't understand. And everyone's like, you created a show. It's never going to be like it was. You're never going to have to go back and work at Barney's or sell shoes. And like, here we are. And I'm like, you know, what is the I might as well have not produced this fucking show. Like, who gives it? No one's calling looking for me. No one is calling looking for me. But you have like a you created a television show that got on the air. So but I'm just like, I feel like it's. Maybe they're not knocking down your door the way you expected, but you're coming in in a totally different place than someone that's like, I promise you I can execute. That Listen, what I tell people is, uh, yes, I can go to another streamer and say, you can give me $28 million and I'll deliver you a TV series and it will be good. Whether it becomes a global juggernaut like Ted Lasso is up to the TV gods. But I will, 100%. But I will hand you the thing that All you can do is do. make a good show. It's like all you can do is write the good 
the good project. And I think that's that's kind of it. I know. And I think you know what it is? You had a fantasy that this was going to happen and then you would never have to go back to the same hustle. A hundred percent. And I think that at least my experience is even when things are going great, like you're always still kind of jogging to keep up in a way. A hundred percent. I wanted, so, I just wanted to be the Daniels. I was just like, can I have an maybe. Oscar? Listen, and... you might be, it could happen. It's, it's, you're like not old enough to be like jaded. Well, no, just that it's like, you don't have the chance for that. Like, I do think you could be, I mean, not the Daniels, but like some, your no, version I plan of on that, it. Like, your I, version of that. That's why I got into all this. Yes. Cause like, I want to make TV shows and have like a bunch of them like Berlanti or Ryan yes, Murphy or absolutely. Bill Lawrence or whoever the fuck. Yeah. 100%. I, I would say Justin Roiland three, four weeks ago. Oh boy. But right. That one turned out. Is he uncanceled now? Uh, I don't know. I honestly you don't have to don't be know. on the record. I know this is a very controversial topic, but I yesterday know. he, he posted this thing like justice. I, I was like, is it? It feels like you just sort of paid her off. You know what? I don't, I feel like I don't know enough about the situation to comment Me other than it's a huge bummer all around. It and is. it's always sad if your former boss gets arrested for like imprisoning his girlfriend in his home. Like, Wait, I, I totally, for, by the way, I forgot he was your boss. That happened while I was working on solar. I didn't know, but that date is like when I was still in the room. Got it. So did he just not show up one day because he was falsely no. imprisoning his girlfriend? You know what? Okay, we'll talk about this more. Like, no, I, I don't. I honestly, I have literally no knowledge of anything going on. Like, I saw it drop on deadline the same time as everybody else. Nice cover. Yep. So, uh-huh. no, I'm serious. I'm serious. But like, I'll talk to you more about it off. But I, I just don't know, and I'm hesitant Neither. to like throw around anything because you don't want to be a star witness. In well, the no, but I, I, I mean, honestly, I couldn't. Like, we didn't have that much interaction, and like, I just like, I don't. I don't know. I'm not really that in contact with the people that I worked with on the show For sure. anyway. So uh, all yeah. I wanted to know is, do yeah. you think Rick and Morty will continue to have the success it's have or Koala Man or Solar Opposites? Or does it not matter? Like other I than, oh, he's the voice of Rick and Morty. Sure. That one's specific. But the other two well, doesn't matter. I don't know. I mean, I think it's tricky because I think obviously companies are hesitant to work with someone. Like, yeah. The deals get canceled, whatever. They're hesitant to work with me, and I haven't lost my <laughs> wife anywhere. Okay? For different reasons. For different <laughs> totally, reasons. Totally. You're like, Kelsey's in the basement. Um, She's not actually in New York. Uh, But, yeah, I think uh, – I, I honestly don't You don't, don't have know. to say anything. No, you I just – I really have no – I have no idea if the show's going to continue. I don't know what the fan base will think of it. Um, It's just weird. It's weird, and it's sad, and I wish that, like, this was not even a thing that was coming Yeah. Up. I yeah. feel like uh, the last thing I'll say is like I feel like the Rick and Morty fan base is totally the type of fan base to n- n- a not believe women, b be I like, know. see, fucking told you, trying to cancel the white man, you I know, know, like I know. That's why when I saw it, I was like, oh god, <laughs> this is gonna be such a mess. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely, <laughs> you know, there's probably like, I love the show though, so that's the other thing because I'm like, there are some shitty fans online but like i also got into i think there's a lot of people that are not incels that like rick and morty yeah. but those people are the loudest i'm one of them i'm not like a super fan but like there yeah. are episodes where i'm like nah it was genius yeah like pickle rick brilliant 100 percent. i'm like i get it you guys deserve that emmy that was yeah. an amazing episode yeah but yeah anyway i don't know it's been like i just have complicated feelings about the situation and also it's making me wish like you know more women in animation and more projects greenlit that you know what? I don't even want to go into. No, it. We'll you talk listen. Off the listen. Oh, no, I, no. I want you to talk on the podcast. When we were uh, putting together our staff for Fairfax, the biggest problem was that there are not enough women in animation, and we went out of our way to hire uh, 
uh, as many women and people of color as we could. Yeah. Literally, the, there was like one or two or three female directors. And and because there are so few, they are so incredibly sought that they are right always the working. But they yeah. just need, we need more of them. So Yeah. I mean, it definitely is like, I feel like this weird situation where I have heard like, I'll be honest, like straight white guys say to me like, oh, it's impossible to get in to animation or whatever. And I'm like, I've pretty much only worked. You're everyone in the room. Yeah. So I just feel like there is something where it's like there still are less, but also it's like we'll get more people in over time. And yeah. you guys did an amazing job. Like that was not only the most like diverse group I've been in, but I also think maybe the most like talented group as well. Like I feel like it really paid off. We just and read awesome. the scripts. Honestly, it was just like who has fired drafts. <laughs> it was like Teddy and Aaron and I pretended it was the voice. And we like truly, <laughs> truly, that's what we that's what we do now is like Oh, um, that's so smart. We say, Do yeah. you turn your chair? You know, like that's do you turn really your chair? That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. And it you was know? just such a lot like it was a lovely group. And I think that that will like continue to happen more. But obviously there's an evolution that's yeah. you know still happening. In Absolutely. The yeah. Uh, okay, so but let's go back yeah. to you for a second. We'll go back. We can go back to me, but let's go back to you. <laughs> Before Solar Opposites wasn't your first job. No. So it was my first in the like adult comedy space, which is where I had been wanting to work. But okay. I had been working in kids TV for the past two years before that. And then like everybody else doing the assistant thing. And I actually started in playwriting. And so that was like a unusual transition. But that was kind of how I got in as well. Do you think it's bullshit that people are like agents even are like, oh, well, once you work in kids, you know, you'll never be able to work in adult because people will just pigeonhole you as like a kid's animation person. Yeah. I mean, they do, and it's so funny because I definitely had a friend say that to me when I first was starting, and I was like, this is just, like, irrelevant information. I felt like at that point, I mean, I'm sure you've been there, where I had been, like, trying to be a writer for, like, six or seven years and being like, I got a foot in the door. Yeah. Someone's paying me to write a script, yep. and you've never had someone more committed to writing Llama Llama Dude. than I was on that first show. First of all, Llama Llama, I know you you don't have a child yet, but as someone who does, <laughs> that's a big book in our house. The IP is incredible. Llama Llama Red Pajama Baby, uh, yeah. Uh, and now, as a parent who is watching a lot more adult mm -hmm. animated shows, uh, excuse me, a lot more children's animated shows, yeah. Some of them are incredible. Yeah. Like Bluey, for example. Oh, people go off on Bluey. I haven't I have not watched that okay, one. Bluey, but. it's it's about two Australian dogs, but they're sisters and they're fucking hilarious. And they're like, bingo, bingo and bluey. And they're so cute. And like they fuck with their parents in the funniest, cutest ways. And they're seven minute episodes. They're like See, that's great. At perfect. least it's short, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not designed for us to consume generally. No. Also. No. It's like you're writing, you're thinking. It's just different concerns, too. You're thinking about education. Yep. You're thinking about what are the kids going to mimic? Uh, what can they understand at their development level? So it's sort of interesting because it is kind of a hybrid between, like, child development and television writing. And there are a lot of people that come from child development that are executives. So, you know, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. But I think – I don't know. I just felt like compared to also being an assistant, which fucking sucked so bad. Yeah. Uh, and as someone that I would say is not naturally geared towards the skill set that mm -hmm. is helpful there. Yep. I know. Um, <laughs> uh huh. Uh, like it was just so amazing. So getting to do that full time, I think, was like so exciting. And also, I always knew where I wanted to go. And with kids animation, it's the same production companies as adult animation. So I was like, oh, my next Great move point. is like I had been working on those shows, and I had um, a project in development with Starburns, yep. a kids show, and 
I basically had coffee with anyone that would have coffee with me in the production space of animation and was like, I want to work at adult animation. Here's my sample. Like if something comes up. Was that about the potatoes? Yeah, couch potato. Yeah, that yeah. was a really good script. That's Thank what we you. hired Thank you, you off of. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. it to this day. Thanks, man. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, yeah, and so I sent that around, and basically, like, one of the guys uh, who was at Star Wars at the time passed it along to, like, Mike McMahon, who was doing Solar, mm. and that was how I got that job. So I always feel like there's a way to, like, work through the cracks and kind of get where you want to go. Totally. And I fucking love working in adult animation. Like, I feel like this was such a gift I necessarily didn't necessarily expect, but you know, I'm curious your perspective on it as well, but I'm like, you know, even in this last room, it's like you get to work on there's, if you're into art at all, just like visuals in general, that's a huge part of your medium. You get to direct actors in the booth. You get to do so many cool things and create this really unique product. And it's a space where that is just constantly expanding and they're still learning. What can we do? What's going to be a hit show here? So I feel like it ended up being, I knew I wanted to work in the adult like comedy space. Like, but I didn't know exactly where. And then I think working on these animated shows kind of ended up, I was in this space where now I'm like, I love it. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to bring in like female-centered shows, queer shows, shows that appeal to a different audience, or at least shows that are written to appeal to people because that's who the audience is. It is everybody. Yeah. So I feel like it's been this like gift that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, people ask uh me and the the other two dudes like how did you know to like get into animation and we were like <laughs> um it was one of 40 balls we juggled at yes, any given 100%. moment and it just stuck yes I and was we like, loved it but like yeah. i didn't know you know i i feel so lucky to have like fell into it totally it was like same with that script that you read that was like yeah one of the 40 spec scripts that i had written at the time and that one was the one that people were responding to yeah so it's you know, like um out. Guillermo del Toro says, like, animation is not a genre. <laughs> oh, my God. I was watching that with um Eliza, and uh, she was like, see, babe, like, it matters. And I was like, honestly, I feel okay about it. But it was nice that she's, you know, trying Hell to be yeah. supportive. Hell yeah. Um, by the way, that's, I also think, an advantage because I think people underestimate it. And then it delivers, like, way past what you're expecting and can have these, like, huge lifespans. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. dude, some of the... I mean, this is such a dub, but like those Disney movies from yes. when we were growing up, like Lion King, Little yes. Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Yeah. I, those are some of the best fucking movies, They're period. They're so good. <laughs> like, and everyone loves them. It's like it sinks into your psyche forever. Yeah. So, yeah. Watching, I'm with the, you. watching I showed Mia the cold open of Lion King. Oh, my um, God. Which she's like, King, King. Oh, um, so cute. That fucking two minute circle of life thing is so good. I yes. get the chills still because I'm watching it, but I'm watching her. Like have her mind blown in real time, and it's there's nothing like it, like That's showing incredible. her shit like that. Oh my god, I I feel like seeing that with a child sounds just amazing. It's yeah, the best because it's so moving. Yeah, um, and those people are so talented, and it's like you get to work with all these really cool visual artists. Yeah, so and most of them are like stoned or just like my people. Like they smoke <laughs> weed, they're funny, they like say dirty things they maybe shouldn't. Oh like my I god. just I'm I'm yeah. happy to have them as a community. Yes, that was shocking when we did the Fairfax, like everyone come in and drink and draw or whatever it was called. Oh my god. And all the animators were drawing like boobs and dicks. I was yeah, like, this just, is great. This is a dick drawing hour. <laughs> this is not a get to know anyone. This is dick dick dicks yeah. everywhere. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um so wait, back up. You sure. were a playwright? I was, yes. Go on. Yes. Okay. So basically I just like knew growing up like I am one of those kids that was like I kind of knew I always knew I wanted to be a writer but I didn't know like what capacity or what genre I thought 
honestly, probably novels. I was just such a big reader. And then, so I started in high school and stuff, just writing like poems, songs, stories, whatever. And then when I was in college, just completely fell in love with playwriting. I did a summer abroad with a friend of mine and she was like, I have to do these couple of weeks. And there was a playwriting class and we sat down in this first play, which um, is by this guy, Bruce Norris, that later went on to, you know, win the Pulitzer Prize and stuff. And like two minutes into it, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. It was like very funny, very dirty, very edgy, just so exciting. And so that was what I chased through school. And Where then, did you go to college, by the way? I went to Yale. Okay. So Heard it's of also, it. yeah. Well, and <laughs> such a big theater school. I have I didn't know that really. Huge. The drama school's like in, incredible. The undergrad's incredible. I was literally getting my mind blown like three times a week by this amazing theater that my classmates were making and the drama school people were making. And it was so exciting. That's like it, awesome. Yeah. I really just had the the absolute best time. And then the play that I wrote for like my senior thesis or one of the ones for the um, major that I was in got picked up by some theaters. And that was kind of how like things got wow. picked up. So like this little theater in New York and then a theater festival in Alaska and then like the bootleg. In when you say Park. picked up, like people mount the play and like put yeah. it on. It's usually part of like festivals. But then for here at the bootleg, it was just like a running show. For how long? That's amazing. Uh, I think the one in New York only, I think it was like over a week. There were like, Four performances and then in Alaska it was like one performance and then here I can't remember it's honestly so long ago I'm like I don't know maybe it was like 10 performances over three weeks <laughs> did I, you I become like a playwright like a Lydia Tarr tyrant even though she's yes. music like yes were and you was... like very like oh, well I'm fucking mm. directing and writing a play now so I, well uh, I didn't direct <laughs> it and we were talking about this before the mics came on but I am embarrassed by my like 22 year old behavior like I think I was just I'm the worst I was kind of bratty and I didn't know I was being bratty, but I just didn't have anything to like compare it to. And so I think then having to work as an assistant and like work my way up for the next like seven years was the best lesson I could have possibly had. And like just what it's like to work underneath. Like, I, I don't know. I just didn't know what was going on. And I think it didn't bring out necessarily the best parts of my personality because I was super insecure. Yep. Um, And I was young and working with people older than me and kind of like, I feel like I should be here, but why is this happening? But anyway, yeah, so did that and was kind of still pursuing playwriting. But then sort of shortly after that is when, like, Girls came out. And, um, oh, my God, I don't remember Lena Dunham's movie. I'm blinking on what Tiny Furniture. Tiny Furniture came out. Girls came out. And then it was, like, Broad City, Amy Schumer show. And I was like, that that's the thing. That's it. Like, young, female, edgy content. Like, that's what I want to be doing. And so I was still writing on the side. But was also like now being like, okay, I need to get assistant jobs and kind of like try to get at least in the room yeah. with people that might be able to be helpful. And so worked a couple of different jobs and then I ended up working at Wanda Sykes company for like a year and a half as an assistant. And when I was there, I randomly ended up meeting another former student of like a playwriting teacher of mine. And we had had her like 20 years apart. So no. it was just, and he was working on this like kids show and I just knocked on the door and was kind of like, hi, is Joe here? Like, very random. But we totally hit it off. And he um, ended up being the executive producer, creator of Llama Llama, like, a year later. Amazing. And so he was like, do you want to come write some scripts on this? And I was like, my prayers have been answered. I'm freed yeah. from the tyranny of being an assistant. And, yeah, that was kind of how things got started. By the way, where is Llama Llama on Netflix? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Okay, good. I'm going to yeah. watch these with Mia. Uh, yeah. I worked on that in book. every other kid's 
book to television adaptation. What else? Like, what else can oh you drop God. for us? That like Clifford, it... American Girl Doll, Vampirina. Wow, uh, that's some hot. What else? There's IP. some other. Yeah, I feel like there were some other ones, but I, <laughs> I honestly can't remember at this point. Those are pretty good. American Girl Doll is. It was the. The weirdest. It was a terrible show. It was a bad show. That's they okay. Were like, I've worked on bad shows too. Yeah, we all have. I don't even think my season got released, and they were like, "Can you write a show about four girls in a garden with no conflict?" And so I was like, "Okay, we'll do our best." <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we yes. do Llama Llama. Yes. And then a bunch of uh, children's mm-hmm. animation. B- bunch of children's animation. And then where where do we go from here? Yeah. So I was. Basically, after I started working in kids, kind of what I was saying before is I was like, oh, all these companies do all the adult shows that I like. And so basically after doing kids for like a year or something, I was like, I know where I want to go. I'm just going to keep kind of pushing. Yeah. And so that was when I got coffee with anyone who would take 15 minutes and be like, do you know anyone? I'm trying to staff on this, blah, blah, blah. And that is what ended up paying off and getting me solar. So worked on solar opposites for two years and then came over to Fairfax, I think like three weeks after we finished season two. What was your, I'm always curious. Yeah. What was your interview like on Solar Opposites? Do you even remember? Uh, kind of. I think we talked about some sci-fi books. Okay. Uh, and I was just so nervous. That's mostly what I remember is like having, they had no furniture in the office yet. And so I was like waiting in like a little single chair with like a bucket of like regular Coke next, next to me and was just like. I wanted it so badly and I just felt like if there I was just like praying to Jesus or any anyone who would listen at that point that I could get this job. Do you remember um, where you were when you found out you got the job? Yeah, I think so I was still working on that project with Starburns that then became an adult animated show mm. that we sold to Freeform and Steve who was one of the guys working on it was like I think you're going to get the job. Like we were standing in the parking lot at Starburns and I was like are you fucking with me? And he was like, I think you're probably going to get it. But I didn't totally believe him. And I don't remember where I got the call, but I remember that was the That's cool. Huge. Yeah. Um, but it's like these little incremental breaks. And I just felt like I was like, this could like change the course of my career. And like it did. Yeah. And it's been like working on all these cool animated shows and since Fairfax, a bunch more. And just it did kind of change everything. So I'm kind of forever great. Even it was like a tough room, but I'm really so grateful. And I was just so nervous, like insecurity at an 11 for those seasons. Were you, was there any other women in the room on that show? Yeah. Um, Danielle Ularic was in it as well. Yep. Okay. Um, I think that was, oh no. And uh, Jen D'Angelo, who's gone on to write a bunch of like cool movies. I know her name. So nice. I don't Um, know how I know her name, but that's very familiar to me. Yeah. She was really nice and super talented. And yeah, I was just every day being like, you're supposed to be here. It's going to be okay. Like talking myself up in the car being like, okay, pitch one joke today. <laughs> I remember on my first staff yeah. job, like when, if we were to get a joke yeah. in the script, oh my, like, huge, we right? would, we would do the other staff would be like, yes, but like as a joke. And then one of the older writers was like, act like you've been here before. And we were like, dude, we have, okay. We're just doing <laughs> shtick about it. Dick. Um, uh, yeah. It's tough. It's that first job is like, it's like. I also coming from playwriting and I felt like everyone else was a stand-up and I was like, oh, I write jokes on the page that are very funny and I do it alone in my office and then I share them when I've crafted them for a long time. So 
just you have to learn those skills in the room and it takes it takes a minute yeah how long do you feel like it Painful. took you to like lock in and like know like okay like i know what the fuck i'm doing in the flow of the room and how this works uh, i think it was after two seasons on solar two like I, seasons really yeah. okay i just i don't know i was so i was really in my head the whole time yeah it was just tough yeah i get it i felt like i knew i was confident in um breaking story like i always knew i could do that uh but i think in terms of like being able to pitch comedy in the room and get all the jokes to land that I honestly think took like two years and now I feel super confident but it it took way longer than I wish it had and I did like UCB and improv back in the day and stuff but you know people are good yeah they are I mean I we used to have like the joke wall on undateable where like people would write jokes that that you could just like put in your scripts. And then we also had this thing called Jofies, which were if you got a script, a joke in the script that went all the way to tape night and like stayed on, you got a Jofie, which oh was a God. joke trophy. <laughs> That's so dumb, but I love it. Yeah. It's That's pretty nice, silly. Though. Yeah. yeah. It's like what actually like sticks in and stuff. And I will also say like, you got to find your people. That yeah. was the other thing I realized. Like, you need people whose like comedic sensibility lines up with you, and you hope that happens on every show. Did you make it, like friends on Solar Opposites? Like you don't have to name any names, but yeah. like, are there anybody you still like keep in contact with? A little bit, a little bit, yeah. But honestly, not not like a ton. Like I feel like I, eh, I don't know. It just wasn't like necessarily the most fun experience, mm -hmm. and I just was so nervous the whole time that I'm not like, oh, if only I could like relive those days. But there are like three or four writers that I'm still in contact with, and anyone that I saw, I'd be happy to see. But. Look, not every room like, is not every room is Fairfax. I don't no, know it's it. true. It's true. I'm totally serious. When I came to Fairfax, I was like, oh, I, I. It's like, just you show up with a group of people that you actually would like. Gen, I don't know. Just you don't expect at every workplace that you would want to be like close friends with every single person you work with. And I honestly felt that way on Fairfax, and it was very, very cool. It was a wonderful group of people, yeah. honestly. Um, yeah. And we never got to meet any of you in real life, really, until the premiere, which is really weird. This is were you at that Peter's house when we? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So then, okay. That was I think that was the first time I saw you guys in person. Yeah. Um, which yeah, I bet every room I've worked in since has been Zoom, so it's kind of been a little bit more of the same. So but... what have you been doing since Fairfax? Fill me in. Yeah. Let us know. Obviously, I know a little bit. No, no, no. It's but all I, good. I want yeah. to pretend like I don't. No, so it's take, all good. It's take, all good. Take, take, Take I'll take me, you through. Yeah. Yes. So since Fairfax, um, after that, I think uh, not that long before it started, I had sold that show to Freeform. And so once that was finished, I was in development with that, I think, for however many months afterwards. And then. And what, what was the name COVID of that happened. one? That was Hagatha. Got it. And um, then I got COVID really bad. Oh, and no. I was like fully out of commission for like six months oh, plus. God. Yeah, it was so no long fun. COVID. Yeah. So finally doing all better now. But I was like, I remember trying to get things up off the ground and being like, I don't remember what I worked on yesterday. Like the brain fog was just, it was bad. But that ended, I feel like renewed sense of life and vigor. And then after that, I worked on this show, Has Been Hotel, for A24 that I think is getting released sometime Is it animated soon. or live action? Yeah, it's like an animated horror musical comedy. Anyway, it's kind of insane, but is cool. And we'll see what happens with that. I okay. think that's coming out soon. And then... What streamer is it on? Or do you know where it's supposed I to go? I don't know. Honestly, like, I was, like, talking with some of the, the other writers this morning. And we have not been looped into the process. I'm like, I don't even know if my name's still attached to the episode. Like, we'll I find... My brother started no working idea. there. We'll find out. Really? Digging. Oh, my God. Yes. I, yeah. We'll but it was out. fun. I was like, I want to work for A24. I literally said yes to the interview, honestly, before I even saw what the pilot was. Yeah. They're the I was just like, ever. sure, let's do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did that. And then 
right after that is when um, I got an email being like, Futurama is coming back and do you want an interview? And it's like my favorite show. So that must have been nuts. amazing. So who sent you that mind. email? Your agents? Yeah. Wow. Good yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. Where, are, where are you represented? Yeah. I'm at WME. Uh-huh. We got some new agents added to the team about six months ago that are really like heavily in the comedy so we, you like your agents. I am obsessed with my agents. Please shout them out. I love let them. Us, let David us Meese, Austin Vaziri, like, they're, they're so good. That's like, wonderful to hear. In the short time I've been working with them, like, the amount of, like, meetings, staffing opportunities, just, like, obviously it's a collaboration. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, I adore them. They're both really, really great, nice people. Were you always at WME? Since I've had agents, yeah. Got but it. I just had a manager for like a really long time. I Got always, it. I honestly think for about eight years, I was like, this is the year I get an agent at a big agency. <laughs> and then it was like seven to eight more years before like that happened. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, know what your journey was for that. But yeah, it took, man, it was, it was a beast. I don't, it's, I, I feel like we put such a premium on getting an agent. Yeah. Um, and when I speak at USC, like that's the question everybody wants Speaking to be like, how do you get, USC, a, how do you get you. an agent? Fucking fancy over here. They, I, yeah. It's a long, it's only. They because, should. It changes your career. It changed mine. Really? I think. Yes. Oh, that's so nice to hear because I mean, it sort of changed mine way back in the day, but like, right. I have always found most of the work I get is just like self-generated or right. some seed I planted right. months or years ago that comes right. to fruition, but like. Again, like I wish right. I was an incoming call business, but I just don't think it's it is that way until you make something that is beloved. I, and I think we got to get you meeting at WME too. That's listen, I. That's another. That's we'll we'll talk off the pod. It's but, not. Yeah. It's not even off the pod. It's just like I am. I am. I am my own best agent, yes. manager, lawyer, even though I don't be. have a law degree. It's always like, because people are like, what percentage are they getting and what percentage are you getting? And I'm like, it's 100% me and 100% them. Everyone is putting in full effort to try to make this happen. And That's so wonderful. I feel like it's always ends up being a collaboration. And like, even if it's like, oh, I got myself this or it was a connection or, you know, whatever it is, it's like. They're running point. They're talking to them. They're trying to move the projects along. They're trying to make it happen. They're giving good advice. So I don't know. I feel – and um, like Austin, who's the younger agent, I'm both of them, but it's like the level of hustle is very high. That's all that I want. Yeah. And um, so, it's not that I don't get it. It's just that I have been at UTA for many, 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 many years. Yeah. I signed there as a feature client in 2012, and right. I was kind of like – not dumped, but like handed to some agents. Right. And while they're wonderful and yeah. incredibly yeah. effective and powerful, I feel right. like I'm not at the level which warrants there. Like I have imposter syndrome. And so I'm like, you have, yeah. you rep such bigger people that oh, when you look at my name on a call sheet, you're shit. like, who the fuck, what does he want? I think you can't get, oh man, I don't, I don't even know who else they rep. I mean, I know they rep like other comedy people and I feel like I remember seeing some big ones, but like, I just my philosophy is like I am a very nice, very squeaky wheel. So they also hear from me a lot. Same. Yeah. So it's like I also feel like that helps. But oh, I'm the fucking most annoying. Yeah. And I'm always like, sorry. Like I apologize to them. Don't apologize. That's their job. They're getting ten percent of your paycheck. Like I know it's such a problem I have, and I think it's because when I was an assistant at Paramount, Mm -hmm. I knew like I still do like every agent's name, where they work, and so in my head, it's like they're bigger and more important than like. The writers, because okay. A, they make way more money. Yeah. They wield way much more power unless you happen to be one of 10, you know, writers like Shonda Rhimes. Oh, or... my God. I think you're I think you're overthinking this. I, am I? Or am yeah. I right on the money? No, not at all. Are you sure? Yeah. Because there's like, 
they're, they, I feel like agents, like everyone, A, it feels like you need to have an agent to like be successful, but you don't. Yeah, I don't think you need to, but it's like, man, I feel like it was a game changer or just like very, very, very helpful. Like when people are like focusing on an agent, I'm like, you should focus on getting one. But to get, it was like to get one of the big three agents, it was like, I needed material and development, already a story editor on something. Like, it's just you, I feel like the barometer for, or the bar for like hitting those places is just so much higher than it used to be. I wouldn't know. I, I yeah. got very lucky in that, uh, because of my Paramount assistantship, when I had a feature spec, I knew who to send it to at like the agencies. Oh. And so I sent it to this guy, John Huddle at UTA. Yeah. I had made him mix CDs every year for Christmas <laughs> at the behest of my boss. So I emailed him and I was like, hey, dude, I don't know if you remember me, but like I used to Wait, make your, you mix CDs. Your boss had you make him mix CDs? Yeah. Because I like knew cool music and I was young and like. Oh my God. That's you know. so funny. Yeah. And that, like Paramount like was like kind of like this like weird fraternity back then. Like okay. assistants were going to staff meetings. We were going to concerts together. Oh. We were getting invited to premieres. Oh, I love that. It was when I wasn't getting screamed at, uh, it was wonderful. But they're like That's this, the, the wonderful did not outweigh the the screaming. Right. And so I left uh, ultimately. But anyway, right. that guy, John Huddle, became my agent and he read my script and was like, deliver yourself to my office. This is brilliant. Who oh knew what God. talent was burning me yes. CDs? And then he left to be a manager. Right. Did he become your manager? No, he was like, he, he called me and was like, come, come be with me. And I was like, dude, I already have a manager. <laughs> And you're in features, and all my business has been in television. And he was like, still come with me. And then my other TV agent, mm -hmm. Lindsay Framson, who now is my manager, yeah. she was like, well, listen, if John is telling you he wants to be your manager, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that I am also <laughs> leaving UTA to go work at Kaplan Perone. And at the time, like, and still, she runs the day-to-day -day of my career and i think for me personally as someone who does fucking spin out as you pointed mm. out she is also part therapist and yeah it's not you by the way like it's everybody i think it's the mental game is the most challenging part of this but. yeah because you're supposed to present this outward facing like i'm the hip hop hopping in i had a show on amazon like look at me go fucking whipping up development I right got... and you don't feel that way sometimes sometimes yeah. yes like there have been moments like you said like small triumphs where like for example when i i sold a show to uh, Sony with Lord and Miller and Nicole Delaney over the phone while I was in France on my honeymoon oh in my Italy. God. What? I literally like, <laughs> and of course, like I still had to go get like a network after, but like yeah. setting that up at the studio yeah. while I was on a phone call while me and Nicole Incredible. were reading like iPad scripts. She was in New York, I was in Italy. Yeah. And by the end of the call, they're like, "Well, I think we need to get into a deal immediately." That's how that that ended. I hung oh, up the yeah. phone and I was like, "I'm the fucking, I'm so good at this." Yes. I remember saying that to my wife, <laughs> and like now I'm like, "What a fucking idiot that guy was." No, it's good. Listen, I think that's good, and I think that is who you are. It's My just a, nickname you know. is Studio Guy for a reason because I just like I love Robert Evans and I wanted to like Bob Evans. That's well, that's why I worked at Paramount. Like, oh my god, really? The kids' days in the picture changed my life, and so did seeing Catch Me If You Can because it made me realize Catch me like, if you can. yes, to fake it until you make it. Basically, forge checks until not even forge checks, successful. but it's like ask for forgiveness, don't ask permission. Right? I, yeah, I do think that's true. And yeah, the kids' days in the picture. I saw it when I was seventeen. And I never really understood how the business, well, like I've read every studio mogul biography. I've worked at studios. Yeah. But I didn't really understand that if you just know people, mm -hmm. for example, you know, my buddy at Point Grey. Yeah. You can just text people and send them material. I don't that need helps. my agents. Oh. To, you know, it's like, 
I'm friends. I'm friends with so many of these executives now. Yeah. Yeah. So like when I need to get a producer on a project, I'll set three producer meetings myself and then my produce, my agents will like, you know, fill in the gaps. Oh, okay. Interesting. And I found like, for example, this comic, um, that Teddy and Aaron and I optioned is an image comic. It's called man eaters. It's fucking sick. It was like, I don't have money to pay for an option, but what we do have is like hustle and grid. And we said to this author, hi, we're going to spend the next however many months, and it could even be a year or two, trying to get this off the ground and make a TV show out of it. Will you get rich today or tomorrow? No, because we're not offering any any money. <laughs> but like, Did you do a dollar option? No, we did a, a, a nothing option. option. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Amazing. when it gets set up, like you'll get paid then. Yeah. But like, trust us. Right. And, and we had it for a while, and then the author was like, well, what's taking so long? And- we wrote her this email, actually Aaron did, that he really, he like left it all on the floor in a very nice, elegant, diplomatic way of basically yeah. saying, you know, unless someone else is pounding down your door, the three of us are truly working very hard with a wonderful writer who's on Rick and Morty to turn yeah. this into a TV show. So yeah. just like, give us some time. And she did. Yeah. And when we finally got the take and sent it to her, she emailed us and was like, guys, like, I love this. And we that's felt amazing. like we did right by you, you know? Yeah, that's actually helpful to hear because I've been like, there's a like scripted podcast I've been like trying to show around town and I'm like, I think I should just maybe get the rights, but I've been hesitant just e- to like, just email yeah. the email, the the producer or the creator yeah. of this podcast say, my name is Ariel. Yeah. I fucking written on X, Y, go. and Z. I'm a, what You're level right. you know? Like a producer, a uh, supervising producer. Yeah. I'm a supervising producer on fucking Futurama. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. Robert Evans did for me. It was like, yeah, if you have any, a lot of it is smoke and mirrors. Like until I had, a show that I could say, like, I'm a, I co-created this right. thing on blah, blah, blah. I was using whatever small inkling of credibility I had to yeah. exaggerate and c- continue putting yeah. quarters well, in the arcade. You know what's kind of interesting is I heard this, I don't know, some fucking podcast a while back, but I just remember I used to go into meetings and be like, oh, I'm feeling insecure about X, Y, or Z things. And here's just, I don't know, just kind of like going in whatever. And I remember hearing on that that it's like, tell the best version of your story. Yeah. And I think that is like, I don't know, that was very helpful advice to me being like, come in and come in and tell the good version. And I feel like that was a kind of game changer. Yeah, I I agree. Working with Teddy and Aaron, like they like for every generals, I just thought was like, oh, this is just like a fun like, are we going to be friends? And one day if I have something for you, I'll send it. Teddy and Aaron are like, what do we have for so and so? And they like look at their whiteboard, which is what I have. And now they like go in prepared and have something to fucking talk about. And nine times out of ten. You know, nothing comes of these generals, but one time out of 10, when you just happen to have the right thing and you've done your homework and prepared and like can soft pitch a whatever thing. Yeah. It has turned into Dude, real opportunities. I'll be real with you. It's like some like maybe six months or a year ago, I went in with the same thing being like, OK, I'm going to talk about it differently. Come in with like how much material can I stockpile, even if it's just like log lines so that I can come in with something. And I honestly think now like 75 percent of my generals are turning into stuff, which is insane. Yeah. But it's you absolutely can. Yeah. And I feel like it's um there is that thing of like why are generals around and people get confused? And it's like you can turn that into like money for you in yeah. business. Yeah. Like I had a meeting uh, at ABC Studios a few weeks ago and mm-hmm. like I had this kernel of an idea and I had like one page on it and um it was a warm room because I knew one of the executives forever since I was an <laughs> assistant. And I was like, I kind of got this thing, like, you want me to pitch you the first page of it? And they're like, Yeah. And yeah. I did. And they and they were like, give us the rest of this pitch and we'll buy this. Yeah. And I was like, great, but there's going to be a strike in a month. So like, well, is there? I don't know. That's another topic. I don't know, man. But yeah. yes, your point is 
if you do your homework and come and prepare, it's something a lot of times like people will. They want to buy stuff. And I, I didn't understand that. Yeah. And they're just like, what are you working on? I just was like, well, well, you know, this thing, and like just yeah. bullshit into the wind. Yeah, exactly. And now. Yeah. And also just adjusting. It's like they want to buy stuff from you. Like their job is easier if you come in with good material. They want to show to their bosses. Like yes. it's a symbi. It's like everyone wins when you come in with stuff. They win. You win. Same thing. Agents win. It's like we're all kind of trying to go in the same direction. So yes. I feel like just knowing that and being like, hey, if you like put enough stuff out there, like you will get things moving is is helpful yeah everybody yeah, wants to find homework. everybody yeah. wants to find a cool fucking thing that yeah. they can it's why we got into the industry run to their boss and be like yo look what i found yeah. it's amazing and yeah. you can have it for like nothing to 100%. you guys even 100%. though to us writers it's like millions of dollars yeah even when it's not actual millions of dollars but yeah there's like the joy in just like selling something is yeah. so exciting it's been a while well yeah. like you said i take any win like when we found out we got uh point gray on this one project like i that was just so stoked win. because yeah i've wanted to work with seth since i was you know however 12 13 when i first saw him dude 100 percent, 100 percent. i feel huge. like they're very picky too. yeah well of course they're probably getting pitched like every comedy project that yeah in the industry by everyone yeah. so i feel like it's a really good sign for the project in i think so guys. yeah it's sick i think so i'm excited for you guys so wait you yeah. did how long was the futurama room um, it was like 14 or 15 months, like back to back months. Two, yeah. Two seasons with like a three week break. In the so middle. you worked like for a while. Yeah. 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 So that's why I'm like, it's been one and then week. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then that, that ended about a month ago, but yeah, it was like, yeah, we did the two back to back and it was also just a different experience. Like there's obviously the IOTC versus WGA. Was that show IOTC or WGA? No, it was WGA. Wow. And so you're amazing. rich, rich right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, doing pretty good. Not going to lie. Good. Um, but yeah, it's like they, uh, it, we're, we were so much more involved in the production end of like getting to like co-direct in the booth and coming back to do um, animatics and stuff in a way that you just can't do with IOTC usually. Yeah. And so I feel like it was like getting that experience of like, you know, what can you change on a color? And what's it like to sign off on designs? Yep. It was sick. I oh, Actually, okay, I can't say, but there was a very, very cool lesbian that I got to co-direct in the booth, which was kind of like a life highlight. Wonderful. And I feel like I'm like under lock and key with everything, but I'm very excited about it. I think everyone will be excited when it comes out. But We look forward to seeing this uh, nebulous yeah. lesbian you listen, directed in the booth. Listen, being gay and getting to direct famous lesbian in booth is like a dream I didn't know I had. So it's very, it was very exciting. I don't know. Is does Janine Garofalo identify as gay? Because <laughs> getting to do, gay. getting to direct her, no, I, she's straight. I, I see think, her as a gay icon. I yeah, don't know she why. Is, she is a, she's a queer icon, but she is straight. Okay. I think, I think. Okay. I'm like ninety five percent sure that she just like wears flannel, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, you know what? I don't actually have great gaydar. Okay. So I'm always like, they're not gay at all, and my wife will be like, they're, it's two women making out. I think we can confirm that. They are, in fact, gay. Billy Porter, by the way, that was like an all-time for me. <laughs> that, that was an all-time moment. Like yeah. when, when he agreed to do our show, I was like, I, I couldn't speak. I was fucking speechless. Yeah. Um, because we wrote that part for him. And yeah. when we met with him, he was like, you, he's like, you know, it says my name in the script. We were like, yeah, we know. We didn't do that for you. It's been that way for like <laughs> 14 months, dude. Oh, my God. It's cool. Yeah. He was sick. When he came on the Zoom, I felt like we were all just in church. Yeah, he had. He was so funny. He looked around yeah. the Zoom box. He goes, oh, this is a multi-culty show. I like oh that. Oh, my God. And yeah. We've been saying multi-culty ever since. 
<laughs> and then that's on, the goal multi culty show we, that's what we're all aiming towards teddy yeah. and i aaron was trick-or-treating with his kids but teddy and i got to record billy on halloween oh and naturally i was like billy like halloween yeah what are, your what are you thoughts? going as and he was like bitch i hate halloween and i was like what really? he's like every day is halloween <laughs> and i was like okay 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 i understand <laughs> i understand i understand oh my god that's so funny yeah yeah we have a picture of it too it's oh that's good yeah, yeah we took secret really zoom cool. pictures of you have to he, billy knew we were like billy can we take a picture of you because like you're an all-timer um same I with guy fieri just gotta mute yourself and then snap away yeah. that's my philosophy oh yeah yeah mute and snap that's a good mute and snap i like that <laughs> i like that yeah F- guy fieri was he recorded peter's outgoing voicemail thing what? on the peter we, asked him to do his well here's voicemail? what happened peter was peter was so wonderful and like all of us <laughs> loved guy fieri but peter knew um was able to direct Guy because he had seen like every episode of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. So he right. was like, now, Guy, wouldn't you say that pasta is al dente instead of whatever the line that we wrote was? And he was like, <laughs> how do you know that, brother? Or like, And so him and Peter oh were hitting on off. And Guy <laughs> mentioned this charity that he had. And right. Peter was like, tell me the name of the charity right now. I'll write a check. Like while we're on Zoom. Because Peter was just like, that's how much Good I love you Peter. and what you mean to my family. Yeah. So Smart Guy man, says, yeah. Peter, that's so cool of you anything i can do as like a thank you it's like well like it would be pretty funny if you were my outgoing voice voice mail thing and so guy does this thing where if you call peter knight he's like hey you've reached peter knight he can't come to the phone right now he's checking out america's diners drivers and dives with me guy fieri it's hysterical oh my god i love that yeah damn that's really cool yeah i'm gonna leave peter a voicemail after this you i'm should. gonna text him and be like don't don't pick up you should it's not it's, for you i want to hear guy on your voicemail so good. <laughs> i still talk to him all the time yeah um yeah, he's a lovely man too. I don't know where I was going that with. Okay, so yeah. you just finished Futurama. Yeah. So are we taking a breather now? We are. Well, no. Vacation? Actually, Did I no. see you in on vacation? Yes. So the day after Futurama ended, uh, Eliza and I were like, we're going to Hawaii. Oh my was, god! So we went. Best we went place. to the Big Island for like five days. Best place of all time. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was really cool. We moved like one week later, so that just there was just a lot of stuff like happening. Where did you move to? We moved to Sherman Oaks. Wow. Yeah. Full on in the vault. Loving it. Congrats. Where Thank did you, you move? Can, you don't have to give me your address because no, we don't no, want no. people stalking you, but like cross we streets, are, zone. We are near, Um, I would say we're in the residential area that is west of Keys, Keys, Keys on Van Nuys. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. It's so cute. And like, we just love it. So super exciting, but there was just a lot of stuff happening. And then when I got the new agents on my team, they were like, here's 600 generals and people we want you to meet with. And I was like, this is amazing. But- I was still kind of dealing with long COVID and finishing up the Futurama room. And I was like, I can't, I only have like so much stamina to like develop and meet these people. And I was having to do like 9 a.m. meetings every day and like 6 p.m. It was just like a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I pushed all of that to um, after Futurama ended. And so I would say that it's been a break, but it's actually been like equally as busy, but in like an awesome way. That's great. Yeah. So it's just been like getting that development up off the ground. And I'm like, it's, you know, some pitches that are going to be going out soon. And I'm really excited. So are you, so you are not worried at all about like, Oh, May 1st may not have a thing, may not be able to have this show or pitch or script. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that about half the places that I'm working with are only doing IATSE for animation. Fabulous. So it is, I mean, it's such a bullshit situation, (laughs) but I just am like, I'm not going to say, I guess like no to a project or if there's like a producer I really want to work with. So it's possible like it may things might go away in May, but I just I don't know. I just like 
I feel like there was like meetings and a lot of emailing and a lot of stuff happening. And I know that probably makes me like not a good WGA member, but I wasn't on it until Futurama. Mm. So I didn't realize that. So you yeah, were. Yeah, I was IATSE for the past hundred years. So now, but now you're both. Now I'm both. And you're getting. Have you had a screener season as a WGA oh, member God, yet? Oh, God, it's so good. Although now I'm like, I don't have a DVD player, so it's all ego. I know. It's okay, though. They, they will send you email <laughs> links, though. Yes, that's been exciting. Have I watched any of them? No, but does it feel really good to get? I'm like, I either saw these in theaters or yeah. on demand, but Do, it's amazing. For normies, yeah. for, for, for civilians, as I call oh, them, yeah. <laughs> getting to go back uh, for Thanksgiving to Kelsey's, you know, visit her oh. family in, in Cleveland. I always bring the DVDs because, like, her her family they, they have other kids and there's just like too much time to always go to the movies but like when I show up with a stack of movies and I'm like here yeah I they I'm I feel like the coolest guy ever or they love it well you my, know I mean oh sorry go ahead no I was just gonna say my psychopharmacologist <laughs> who I've been best <laughs> friends with this kid since seventh grade and he's like one of the most well respected psychopharmacologists in the city their whole family got COVID this year during screener season so like at Christmas time I That's brought over nice. the Fablemans and everything everywhere yeah. all at once. And oh, they like I, I I think I will get like free doctor care for uh, for a while. Oh my god, you saved them. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, it's a it's a good gift for sure. It was exciting. I felt like, I mean, I already felt like I had like made it in the sense of I was excited about my career, but I was yeah. like, ooh, this is the moment. Yeah. But I I don't know. I just like can't. There's like so much concern that I have for just like I want to spend my energy getting my own stuff up off the ground, and like at a certain point it will be fine. Yeah. With all of this, so. I just feel like I, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and we'll see what happens. But I don't know. I'm not like – I just like cannot get it up to be super phased by so much crazy – I feel like everyone's always saying it's tougher than ever to get jobs and it's tougher than ever to sell things. And X, Y – there's always a strike looming for somebody. is contracting is my they favorite. They always say that. So I put that in the theme song. I'm like – Yeah. I've just – I've never not – heard that yeah and so i just and it was the same like to your pigeonholing thing people are like "Ugh, gonna get pigeonholed blah 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 and i'm just like i just am gonna ignore all of you because if i do that then like i get staffed i sell stuff and things go well i just can't like i feel like there's so much like negative talky negativeness and i just i'm like i don't even want to be around it like there's just so much cool stuff that is happening as well and it's so easy to get locked up in all the craziness that's happening. But I'm just like, you guys keep saying everything's collapsing around our ears for like the 10 years I've been out here. And so far, you know, things are, and and now they're like, oh, no one's buying anything. And it's like, well, then why am I seeing shows get greenlit on deadline literally 16 times a day? So I just feel like the evidence is not lining up with stuff. And yeah, I just can't get too concerned about it. I, I do think only for, and only from personal experience, like, I feel like, for example, this thing, Girl Dads, that we did not sell. Yeah. Three, four years ago, I yes. feel like there'd be a bidding war for that. And now yeah. I'm like, why did we not? Like, is it because like we're three men telling a story? That, but like the whole pitch was no, no, oh no, my no. God. no. But here, but here, <laughs> hear me out though. Not because we're men. Yes. It wasn't our our pitch was every TV dad you've ever met from. Yeah. Al Bundy to Homer Simpson right. to Ty Burrell and Modern Family is like, oh, no, I have a daughter. I don't know what to do with her. Right. And the three of us were like, no, we're fucking psyched to have daughters. We yes. are knitting pussy hats and going to march. <laughs> you know, and like, and Aaron yeah. would be like, house fucking paints his nails. And it's yeah. true. And I would have painted nails. Yes. And so it was <laughs> such a really good idea that I thought had mass appeal. And it made me be like, did I lose the plot? Have I lost, like, 
Have I lost the, the pulse no. of what's... I think, again, this is the same thing of like taking it personally when one thing doesn't go. Because I feel like it's like the stock market where it's unpredictable. Like, yeah. we don't know, is Hulu going to be a part of Disney next week? Unclear. Like, there's always so much stuff in flux. And I feel like so much is like random timing. So I'll just say like something that's really helped me is like I've gotten way more into looking at it as just like I'm in sales. And that's been really helpful of just like some things are going to go, some things aren't. But the more quality stuff I have that can like cross the finish line in some capacity, the better it is. And like obviously there's projects that's so frustrating when like you don't – it doesn't go or it gets dropped or like whatever. It still sucks. But I think that there's so much stuff that we can't control that all you can do is try to create good stuff and enough of it to move it across. Instead of – like I feel like where I would get stressed is staffing and being like I have one thing in development so I'm super worried if that goes or not because that's all the skin I have in the game. Yeah. And so now not doing that, but being like, oh, I can have 10 projects. There's like no one that said I can't. Yeah. Is very freeing. Yeah. And I think just like they're not, not everything sells. And it's not because there was anything like wrong with the project, wrong with you, wrong with the studio. I think if you pitch 19 things and none of them sell, it's like time to reevaluate yeah. your pitching strategy or just get someone to listen to you and make sure you're not totally off base. But yeah. I don't know. I just think there's so much like it's like the ocean. It's unpredictable. So – as much as it's like you can just not take things personally and move along, it doesn't mean that there was like anything wrong with it. You hit on something that I think is so important um, is seeing yourself as a salesperson. Yeah. Because people don't, writers are not excited when I say that, by the way. I am. I'm like horny for sales at this point. I love I, it. I am too. Yeah. And yes. this goes back to my, my Robert Evans. My yes. Robert yes. Evans. Is. I, I, the writing is the easy part. Like when people yeah, are like, you know how to do it, right? It's like not a question. Yeah, I get to Good sit script, in my room. Done. I yeah. can know how to write. I can listen to music. I can mm-hmm. get high. The selling, <laughs> That's so funny. The, the knowing, <laughs> the, the knowing. Like, okay, so now let's say I have written fucking grapes of wrath. Yeah. How do I sell it? Because if yeah. you write grapes of wrath and you don't know, and it sits in your room, yeah. Who the fuck cares? No one's gonna yeah. get to read it. And I think being a salesman and understanding that you are pitching yourself, and when you pitch, you have mm-hmm. to be fun and energetic and like so often when i've been on the other side of of hearing pitches where it's like low energy and i can clearly tell like you're reading off something we all read off shit but like yeah you gotta just pretend you're not but everyone does yeah it it is it is sales like (laughs) yeah it's not gotta be passionate about it it's sales at the end of the day you know it's a total yeah it's a totally different um skill set absolutely and i think it's a skill set that's antithetical to so many writers because you think like no like i'm good i just like get on the page that's how i communicate and i turn into my agents and then like they'll figure out how to and yeah I'm like, mm, maybe no if you're... it's to get it across especially if you want to create your own tv show like yeah. that then it is like there's no question yeah like you can't i don't know my impression is more with feature scripts if you can kind of send it people sometimes are like yay or nay to yeah. a degree yeah feature um, i feel like feature scripts are features is a i don't know enough about because i've yeah, never me really too. had success in it but TV, yeah i'm I like can... i should not speak that much yeah. about it but I feel like for my experience there, that's been the case. Whereas like for TV, it is like you have to sell it. And by the way, for people that are not interested in sales, you're essentially pitching a $10 million or a million dollars, however much they're going to spend on it, corporation to them. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like, it's not that dissimilar, I think, from having like VC funding, round one being the production company, round two being the studio or the network and trying to get them to give you just like a crazy amount of money to make the thing that you like. Have you ever had a scenario where you don't get a producer and then sell it to a studio slash network? No, I know a lot of people that that has happened to, though, 
Um, I actually, it's so funny. I do have one project right now that 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 could happen with. So I will keep you posted. Okay. But um, yeah. But also to your point of like also being like, why didn't this sell? Just one thing that ha- I have noticed that has been sort of helpful in a way is like I've written scripts that like even so like the one that got me staffed on Fairfax. My manager at the time was like, eh, no one's going to buy it. And I was like, I think this is good. Like, we should send it to people. And he's like, yeah. So I, it was like, I felt like there were so many times where I wrote stuff that I liked. And then my reps didn't get it. The people around me didn't get it. Whoever didn't get it. And then randomly, like two to three years later, suddenly it's like a hot fucking commodity. And they're like, where was this all this time? And I'm like, I, literally, I wrote this years ago. And that's now happened to me on like multiple projects. So I just feel like there's like some weird timing fucking thing to do with all the sales as well of like, you you know, can't force it. But anyway, yeah, back to your sales thing. It's important. It's cool. I think sales are sexy. I've like gotten way more into it. And it's, yeah, it's actually really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like I get fucking jacked up to yes. go to pitch meetings where I'm like, I'm literally in a space now where the only different, the only thing between me and 250 or 300 yes! grand yes! is this next 45 minute Zoom meeting. Oh my God, 100%. Do you get vulnerability hangovers though? Like my best time is 10 minutes before a pitch and my like worst time is about an hour to two hours later. Oh, why is it? Because you just get like, I'm exhausted. I, I think I am like analyzing everything that I said. Mm. I'm like, it's like there's, you put yourself out there so much. I feel embarrassed. I feel like it's like I just like flashed my tits on a Zoom. <laughs> And I'm like, what do you guys think? Do you want to buy this? It just feels very, like, vulnerable to me. And so I think afterwards is a very, like, I just find it really challenging and need to, like, take a bath and, like, smoke a joint and kind of go into a hole for a little bit. Yeah. I'm okay I, by the next day usually, but I I really struggle right after. If I – if I, if I look, I won't go pitch something that I don't think is fuego. Yeah. And so after, I'm just like – that was Fuego. Like, that's how I feel. I'm like, I'm fucking the best. Like, I'm the best. Wow, because okay. I want to try to get some of that because that is not, uh, yeah. It's just because after you, you you meet so many writers and you hear so many pitches and you're like, not everyone is putting in this level of effort. Right. And so I'm just out here, like you said, putting yeah. it as much as I can, like leaving no stone unturned, leaving it all on the floor. Yeah. And it's like, if you guys don't want it, like, it's your fucking problem. I'll spin off. I'll, I'll tailspin about it for a while, but like I'll eventually get over it and write something new. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to try to work on that attitude then. Cause I'm like, yeah, a day or two later, it's fine. But right afterwards, I'm just like, Ugh. it's also with the zoom of it all. Like where a lot of times everyone's on mute. I'm like, I can't I tell that. if they're laughing or not. I'm like, why are you on mute? You know what? I didn't like it. And now I slightly prefer it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't know if they're laughing or not. I'm just going to assume they're hysterically cackling mm. this whole time. But it's, it's, that I found to be a little bit like disconcerting because, you know, you want to come in, you want to say hi, look them in the eye. And when they're on a little screen, I'm just like, they could be checking their email. Who yeah. knows? And I can t- like when I can tell that you're not paying attention, I'm like, oh, you motherfucker. I'm going to yeah. bury you. One I day. just now cover it up with my pages. Oh, see, do you <laughs> I will minimize it so the screens go like very small yes. and then like. I will. I have like um, a slideshow often. Yeah. Do you do yeah, a yeah. slideshow? Yeah, I've done a slideshow in the past. I think we're about to do a new slideshow. I did have a technique recommended of just send them pages so that they can flip through it when they want. Mm, interesting. So I think I may be trying that for some of the Have ones you sold up. something where you've slipped the pages before? No. Have you? No, but interestingly enough, uh, Two writers that you know wrote something, and like <laughs> someone at Netflix read it and was like, This is great. Come in and pitch it. 
And I was like, what the fuck? Like, that's most of the time when I give people stuff on paper, they, they it leaves them too much. You, you, it's like oh. you, you, you have too much in front of you to like <laughs> put a red pen through. If I verbally pitch you thing, you're going to remember like three, three minutes of it at best, like log line in a couple funny right. jokes. You, so you think it's actually worse that they have all the written material? Yeah, I don't generally. want you to. It's like oh, the only time I will send people papers when you buy the idea. Like when Amazon bought Fairfax, we're like, and now you can have the Bible. That's what, you know, that was that whole WGA, like, no paper left behind campaign thing, too. Mm, so, I didn't even know about that. Yeah. It was like, don't leave paper. And I definitely, I don't know if this has been your experience, but going into pitch on, like, uh, OWAs, and they're like, oh, send us your pitch. And it's like, no. no. Why would I, why yeah. would I do that? Also, it's, like, my pitch is not in the, sh- it's not like a beautiful document. Yeah. It's got, like, random bullet points. Yeah. And, like, slow down in parentheses a bunch of times. Yeah. A hundred percent. You don't get to see behind the curtain. No. Unless you're paying for that. And then I will send you whatever you want. A hundred percent. Unless obviously producer you're working with gets to see. Yeah. 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 The producers can have it. They They can have whatever. I don't give a shit. But I keep getting passed on by producers randomly. Like in this project that I'm pitching with like a comedian that's on a fucking wonderful TV show. And it's pissing me off. It's frustrating. I've had that happen with projects before too. And you're like, I'm giving you like free money. So I do understand that. I feel like for some reason the producer pass feels like can feel more personal than like maybe the studio pass. But yeah, yeah. it's. And that w- what's yeah. annoying to me is in my head, I'm like, there are like five or six or seven producers that are so powerful that if you get them attached to your project, <laughs> like when I had Lord and Miller, oh I was my like, God. I dare you not to buy this. <laughs> like truly, especially when I'm pitching their home studio. Right. Or like with Bill Lawrence at Warner Brothers, like I yeah. dare you to say no to fucking so Ted Lasso funny. man. And those are the ones where it's like slam dunk sold in the room. Right. Ones where I don't have a producer, like Girl Dads, we didn't have a producer, even though we pitched like a bunch of them. Huh. And we didn't get one. And I was like shocked. Like we pitched like The Rock and Kevin Hart's company and LeBron's company. And they all like love the pitch. We're like, it's so funny, but like pass. And I was like, huh? Like literally our meeting at The Rock started, not with The Rock, but his executive was like, you know, Girl Dads is really in the ethos of everything um, uh, DJ, what they call him, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, everything it's DJ does. DJ. Girl Dads is really at the DNA of what we do here at Seven Bucks Productions Pass. <laughs> so I'm like, what? It's tough. By the way, also, it's just like what you hear in meetings. Like I had a project that I took out to a production company that I was like very fucking excited about. And it was like early Zoom days. And they literally, one of the execs was like, this is a perfect pitch. And then it froze on the pitch. And so I was just like celebrating in my room until her Zoom like unfroze itself. And (laughs) they passed on the project. I was like, okay. So I just feel like it's, you know what I mean? There's just the difference between the like in the room situation. But I think you're, I think you're harping on girl dads too much. You have, um, again, not even girl dads. White, I'm talking about a new, new. Oh, new, new. Okay. This is a new, new where I've gotten four producer passes. Yeah. And like, I'll just tell you and I can cut it out. It's called, Ho- <laughs> it's, it's called Hooch. It's with Andrew Santino from, from Dave. Oh, sick. And I love okay. it. Okay. Yeah. And he is sponsored by yeah. um, Buffalo Trace because his podcast is called Whiskey Ginger and he gets like a million fucking downloads a week. And wow. we're pitching what is essentially a, a satirical family drama that's like redneck succession. Like the idea being like if the Roys actually went that to work with each like other every day. Dunk. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And I think it's great. But like four different producers now have been like, no thanks. And I'm like, A, your shows fucking suck. Like you should be so lucky. Like the stuff. I hope you come into the meeting telling them that. No, I come in and I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, I fucking love Digman. Like, oh, I can't wait to fucking see Young Rock. 
I, you know, like I'm Mr. <laughs> fucking Hollywood. Uh, but oh after, God. when you yeah, pass yeah. on me, I'm telling everyone I'm going to buy your shit just to shelve it. But you need it. one of those big producers? Like, couldn't you guys just take it out? Or you feel like you do want that, like... Well, see, this, so this room. this is the this is the thing. Girl Dads had no big gorilla, and we didn't sell it. Right. The other stuff that we've had big gorillas, except Fairfax, which had John Zimelis, who, yeah. by the way, not a not a not big gorilla, but yeah. like he's not Greg Berlanti. He's not a, yet. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a gangster in his own right. Hundred percent. But like that idea was so good, and it's so funny because now the executives at Amazon have mentioned what really sold that was we pitched it to Jimmy Iovine like while we were pitching everyone because the pizza slime guys went to school with Jimmy's kid. <laughs> So we pitched Jimmy Ivey when he was running Apple TV. Before the Sony people came over and it was like, Jimmy Ivey is running Apple what? television. Oh we went to Jimmy's God. house. He At the Shut end, he was up. like, do you guys like want to take a picture? And we were like, because uh, the Defiant ones had literally just come out. Oh, my so God. So we put this picture That's on Instagram so cool. that like was t- Teddy, Aaron, and I, Pizza Slime, <laughs> Zimilis. And we're standing there and it says like Defiant one season two. And Puneet later told us like, yeah, dude, we saw that picture of you with Jimmy Ivey. And we were like, we have to have this, you know, what? like which is crazy. Wow. That is actually like, I did think their thought process was more complicated, but also it was a great fucking show. It, 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 the pitch was great, no doubt, but like having other people want Be excited. it. Yes. It's other people like, oh, I'm going to oh, miss 100%. out on Twilight. Yeah. I need this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it is. It's that, that human instinct of, oh, other people want it. Like, I want it. I want it too. I yeah. remember when I was like, I don't know, just like uh, when I was interning for this like uh, woman producer who was amazing Ali Shermer who unfortunately like passed away but was such she a was gangster. a Lionsgate yeah she was so cool and like always just like so supportive and I basically got an internship with her when I was like applying to grad school and I was like well I guess technically I can have an internship now because I was like I can't get it I was like struggling to get any job so I was like guess I'm doing this now but she was amazing and I remember her just absolutely like one of the things I loved about her is she worked with like a four or five guys and they were all like absolutely terrified of her and she was like 4'10 on a, on a good day. That's but incredible. she was like, heard some like treatment for like a book had sold and she was like, why the fuck didn't I see this? And they were like, they like sold it. It was like someone's cousin that worked at Universal and they sold it to them and Allie was like, I don't give a shit. Like next time, get it to me basically. <laughs> and it's because I feel like when there are these hot properties, like everyone just wants in. Yeah. Exactly. And Jimmy Iovine was that for you guys, I guess it sounds like. I guess so. Because the only other time I've seen that happen is like not anything I've been a part of. (laughs) Uh, It's like I see it on deadline and I'm like with multiple, like we had five different offers on Fairfax and I got it. Oh my God. Because it was a good fucking pitch. But with other stuff, it's like I feel like you like you hear stories like Severance got passed on by everyone Mm -hmm. and then Apple at the last minute was the last pitch. And now it's fucking severance. Yeah. Amazon famously tells people like, yeah, we passed on Ted Lasso. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's all random. My lawyer I saw in deadline like two years ago, it was like, oh, like multiple six figures bidding war for this short story. And I was just like, damn, get it, Ashley. Like, wow. Yeah. I gotta be writing more short stories. Oh my God. I remember meeting with a manager at one point after I let go of my old one, looking at new ones. And he was like, why don't you try getting a story in the New Yorker? I was like, you, sir, can go fuck yourself. Oh my God. You're telling me I have to hustle on TV and you also want me as my like side project to get a short story in the New Yorker? It was anyway, just sometimes people give you advice that's just like stupid. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. I was like, I don't think we're gonna be a good fit. Can I ask can I ask you another <laughs> sure. can I ask you yeah, another yeah, question? Yeah. Um, when you've had to fire reps in the past, Ooh, yeah, how do you go about that? Mm. And I'm just curious because like I've done it a handful of times. Sometimes it goes really well, other times I've gotten uh. screamed at. 
So in this case with this one manager you're yeah. talking about. Who's like a good guy. By no, way. you don't You're have to like say who it is. I'm just curious. Like, no. how, were, um, how did you break up with 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 your well manager, girlfriend, boyfriend? OK, my yeah, my manager, boyfriend. Yeah. He Well, OK, I'll just say, first of all, like I kind of knew like not that long after we started working that I was like, I'm going to like outgrow this guy. But I wanted to try to keep him on my team to see like he did help me get jobs starting out. Yeah. But he was also the one that sat on couch potato for mm. like two years. Dumb. And then it got me every staffing job, million meetings, so much stuff. So I was just like, we obviously are not fully aligned. Um, and so what I did is I did try to like let him know that I was not happy with like how certain things were going. So yeah, you have to do that. That's the very crucial step. Everyone. Yeah. Because I will say people people say that and they're like. They're like, oh, I fucking hate him. They're not doing stuff. And I'm like, what well, did you tell him? That really is at least helpful. And so I felt like we had had multiple conversations where I was like, you're forgetting stuff that I told you. I'm having to check 900 times to see if you sent something out. You're not responding to all of my emails. And like, I'm like, I'm a working client and like things are on the up and up. And it was like the response I got from him was like, Ugh, I just get like so many emails all the time. And I just remember after that being like, mm, this is like, not a good answer. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. And so I just called him up on the phone and told him. And he was truly shocked, like deep in his core. Um, and I just felt like I felt like he should not have been that shocked. Yeah. Uh, and then it was kind of like a big thing with my agents. I had told them that I was probably going to let them go. And I think one of the guys did not realize it was. It was like I told one agent they didn't tell the other. Was this at still a WME? This is a WME. This was my original agent. So you've gotten to them. fire WME well. No, no, no. I didn't fire WME. Okay. This was my manager. Okay. No, but, no, no. Manager, but, I know, but what you were just saying you told your agents at the time that I was gonna let my manager go. Oh, okay. You told yeah. your agents you were firing manager. Yes. Okay. And anyway, it didn't get around to the full team, and this let off some kind of like whatever explosion. So I had signed with them like six months before. And then I was very scared they were about to let me go because one of my like agents at the time then kind of yelled at me being like, I wasn't prepared, blah, blah, blah. I, I think it was just like a bad, I think, I think maybe he had gotten yelled at by his boss. Mm. Anyway, it was just a very like weird conversation. And so then I was just scared I was going to lose my agents because I was like, they've been doing a really good job. But obviously I think there's just that tension between agent and manager and they don't want to feel like someone signs with them and then is responsible for them they they don't want to feel responsible for then the manager getting let go yeah. so i think there's some of that and i was like i feel like to the netflix philosophy of like my team is like a multi it's like a pro sports team it's not we stick around forever and you do no work so i was like this guy is like no longer up to the level and i cannot justify spending 10 percent of my paycheck on this person yeah so Anyway, I let him go. He sent, like, an email back being like, can we talk about it, blah, blah, blah. And we were, like, sort of friends at that point. But I was not, like, close, but we had been working together for a while. And he was the one that, like, took a chance on me. So there was that yep. aspect. Um, and my agents at the time were like, don't, don't respond, get involved. Like, we're going to handle it. And in retrospect, I wish I had just called him because, like, I feel like we ended on a weird note and there was no need to. Like, yeah. I think he's a great guy. But – yeah, I think also you got to, like, call them. Don't just, like, send them an email to yeah. let them go. Warn them. It's like any other person that you would be employing in a way. Yeah. Even though it doesn't feel like – it's not an employee-employee relationship because, like you said, they do feel like – they feel like the big gorilla in the room some of the time. Yeah. But, yeah, just – yeah, just was kind of like – I was basically like, here's the reasons why I'm letting you go, but I hope we can, like, stay cordial. Which that's I, a, I don't that's know the way to did, do it. But that's I tried. the way to do it. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Oh, and I did fire a lawyer too. I forgot about that. Oh. <laughs> this. 
he was just doing like no work whatsoever. And every little thing that I was having was taking like 150 years to get done. Mm. And no good. Yeah. And can I be honest? Like, I think I was, this is so stupid, but he was such a charming, good looking person. And I'll tell you like off the pod, but he, he comes from like politician stock. And I think I was like, I didn't know that when I met with him, but I was like so overwhelmed with how like professional and impressive this person was that I didn't bother to check with like other references of people that had worked with him. And that is the other advice is like, if you're going to hire a manager, agent, lawyer, talk to other people who are their clients and be like, what's good, what's bad. Yeah. Like do not go in and hire cold without having talked to someone that's like worked with those people and can vouch for them. Yeah. I love my lawyer more than anything. I'm obsessed. You got a good one. Yeah. Mine, I'm like, she is a fucking shark. She just had a baby and she's like firing off emails at five in the morning. Good for I want her. her to like go to sleep though. That's but, a, yeah, good for her though. Yeah, but she's fast, and I feel like for a lawyer, that's like what you also want is yeah. like someone that's on the ball. Yeah, but yeah, you've let go of also. I've let go of two managers okay. and one. Do agent. you have one a manager now still? Yeah. yeah, you said you did. Okay, I've let. It's not even let go. I had an agent at UTA that was on my team that when I pitched Fairfax, he's like, I don't get it, and I was like, God damn it. Yeah, you're just not lined up. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I told my other agents and they brought someone new on the in the fold. Um, the managers that I let go, one of them was my first manager and he Yeah, that's a tough one. And he hustled and he he did he did the best he could for me. Um, but when like my first year of staffing, his engagement to his fiance imploded at his brother's wedding. Like he took oh, his girlfriend, God. took his fiance to his brother's wedding. Poor guy. And his fiance did not come home, his fiance. And so Whoa. he went MIA for like all of staffing. And when he finally called me, I was like, look, dude, as your friend, like I'm, I'm heartbroken yes. for you that your engagement imploded <laughs> oh, no. and it sucks so hard. But like yeah. as your client, I got to find new representation because I can't just like have you go MIA forever and not tell me that. You're oh MIA. Like, shit. Yeah. That's a no go. Like, yeah, this has been great. We've done some good work together yeah. and I'll never forget. Like I just hear him being like, take care. So that's oh. what he said to me. <laughs> the other manager that I let go, he was not so nice. He said at the end of it, as your manager for the end of this fucking phone call, let me oh. give you one more piece of advice. Oh. You're doing it wrong. What? <laughs> like about firing him. Or whatever. Are you serious? Yeah. Sorry, I just like yelled into the no, mic. It's Apologies fine. to listeners' it's fine. ears. It's fine. Um, oh my God. That's tough when someone's like bitter and has like snarky, farting, yeah. whatever. But yep. sounds like you were good to get rid of him. It was. Once that happened, asshole. I was like, you did yeah. dong. Yeah. What are you doing? And it's just like, you don't want like a dick on your team. No. I mean, you want someone to go in and be able to like get stuff done. But I'm like, I feel like when you see those sides of people, you're just like, oh, I don't want to be like associated with that. I feel like even some people that I like assisted back in the day. And I'm like, I saw what kind of person you were when I worked underneath you and I would never work with you again. Yeah. Like, it's just like you see you're like, it's not about like how you treat the people that are like on your level or sort of like above you or whatever. But it's like, how do you treat the people that are like working underneath you or that like you can treat however you want? Yeah. And it's like very indicative of someone's personality. And yeah, I, yeah, I you just can't like unsee those things or unhear them. I should say. I truly adhere to like everyone you meet from your agent's assistant to the, yeah. the fucking doorman in this town <laughs> will end up being JJ Abrams. So act <laughs> or not even JJ. I mean, <laughs> insert whoever you want. Act but yeah, that if. it's like people. Yes, people stick around a hundred percent, and it's like just be a nice fucking person. Like I remember that I told yeah. you that high school story. Like, uh, like this is Hollywood yeah. is like high school. And I'm gonna remember about that woman Claire that yes. I was telling you. 
Yes. Don't ever do that. <laughs> like that's like my. Don't I send a mean email. Yeah. yeah, we we've all learned that uh, um, lesson. Well, dude, yeah. Ariel, thanks for coming. Oh my so god, much. it was so nice this to talk to you. Blast. It's like an excuse to just get to hang out. Basically, it is. But, we like, can continue hanging it. out, and I'll tell you all the good stuff off oh uh, off cam, as they say. Hell yeah. <laughs> Anything you want to plug before we leave? Ooh, um, yeah, we've got a uh, few dramas going to be coming out um, on Hulu. I think sometime later this year. All right. So watch it. It's fucking cool. I think people are going to be really excited to see what we did with the new episodes. I can't wait. And um, yeah, I think that's probably it at the moment. I feel like all the other stuff I can't talk about yet, but just, you know. Futurama is a big one. Yeah. We'll keep an eye out. about it. Keep an eye out. Yeah. Thank you for coming to hang out. Yeah. Oh my God. Such a pleasure. Bye. Bye.